You're listening to The Revenue Playbook. Join top sales reps and leaders as they share exactly what it takes to go from cold to close. All right, today I'm sitting down with uh, Will Allred. He is the co-founder of Lavender. And if you are not on LinkedIn, um, then you, you'll, you won't know that Lavender is a um, AI-powered inbox. I'll let you correct this, but AI-powered um, inbox to coach salespeople uh, for success, like in their cold emails and outbound. Um, so I know that like pretty much just from being on LinkedIn. So they're obviously doing a great job there. Check them out. Like look at all of his teardowns. But uh, Will, what do you what do you actually do? How would you describe Lavender? And tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah. How would I describe Lavender? So Lavender is a assistant that sits right in your inbox. So whether that's Sales Loft, Outreach, Gmail, or Outlook, we sit right alongside you as you write your sales email. And so that could be anything from providing information on the individual that you're reaching out to and showcasing how you can use that information to personalize an email or just giving you feedback on how you're going to come across and whether or not you've optimized that email for getting a response. So any sort of things that we're showcasing that you need work. We can also provide recommendations in line, say like it's a long sentence and it's going to hurt people's ability to comprehend what it is you're trying to say. We'll go in and make suggestions on how you can rewrite those things. So people using our product get more replies and they spend less time trying to do that. Cool. All right. Well, we'll just dive right in um, with the problems with email. Like I love to just start with a problem here um, and then work, work our way to the solution and the, the how to, what to do next. So what problems are you seeing with cold emails today? What are, um, what are, what are sales people doing wrong? You know, what could they do better? Oh, well, we see about 2 million emails every month. And so I can tell you, we see a lot of things that are wrong. Um, and so if I'm, if I'm going to like siphon it down to a couple key points that like if a sales rep was like, what are your top tips for improving cold outreach? I would say one, say less. Um, most emails are just too long. In fact, going from about 125 to 150 words down to a 25 to 50 word email is going to boost your chance of getting a response by about 65%. So that's one, say less. Two, say it more simply. So 70% of emails are written at or beyond a 10th grade reading level, which means it's too complex. You might think that you're being smart and sounding credible, but in reality, people aren't understanding what it is that you're writing. And so what we actually see in our data is most responses come at a fifth grade reading level. Um, Then the last one is a little bit more nebulous in the sense of it's about not talking at your prospect. When we look at tonality data, right? I mentioned our product is looking at how you're coming across. One of the things we notice that's specific to cold sales outreach is this idea of being assured or informative uh, versus being tentative or unsure. And what we find is in cold email specifically, if you're more unsure and you approach people more tentatively, you're going to get more responses. Um, so this would be like my top three. I love it. I love how, as you're explaining it, like you're putting into practice 
cold email techniques, right? It's like nice and concise, like bullet pointed. Um, and we just delivered on the title of the show within like the first couple minutes. So hopefully everyone is, uh, is still tuning in because, uh, cause next we're going to talk about like, what is the goal of, of an email? Right. I feel like yeah. this is sometimes like what leads people astray is like trying to like close the deal, like on date number one. Right. And so to you, like, what is the goal of that first cold email? Yeah, man. And this, maybe this should have been my response to answer number one, but yeah, what's the goal? Your goal should be to get a response. It, I, I find that so many sellers are trying to think of you know, how can I give them more information so that they know what's the next decision they need to make and that they need to move forward and that it's going to be relevant for them. And in reality, they're not really thinking about you at all or whatsoever. Right. And so the amount of time they're going to give you on average is around 11 seconds. And so the more information you put in there, the less likely you are to get a response. And what we know from looking at the data is the hardest thing when it comes to sales is to get that initial response, to get the conversation going. And so if we're looking at what we need to optimize for, what our goal should be, it shouldn't be you know, trying to sell them and like move them down the funnel. It should be to just get a reply. Um, you know, there's some simple things that you can do to help with that. Um, but you know, one of the things is just changing your mindset from trying to educate and give them the information they need to just trying to elicit response um, instead of pushing, try to pull instead of informing, try to create curiosity. Um, these notions like sound fluffy, but at the same time, it's a, it's a total mindset shift. Yeah. The push pull one has like always related to me as a marketer. Right. And it relates to your point too, of essentially like asking for the next step because that's sales, like in a nutshell, right? Like you're mm -hmm. constantly asking for the, for the next step and eventually you'll ask for the sale. Right. Um, but again, going back to the like first date sort of analogy, um, this is the first time it's made me think of like selling scared. That was like the first thing that I thought of when, um, when you were talking is to some degree, like when you sell scared and you're nervous again, first date and like you're word vomiting everywhere. Right. You're like, here's my life story. Right. And like, here's our yeah. products life story. Right. Yeah. You gotta <laughs> play it like, cool. You gotta play it cool. <laughs> right? Exactly. You have to be like, I'm not a weirdo. Like you should definitely give me another chance. Right. Yeah. Um, that's typically like that. That's typically gonna um, get you better results, like whether it's in your personal life or in your professional life. Um, so that was like the first thing I made me think of. It's like, oh, with all of those that like stat vomiting and um, jargon vomiting, you know, that happens typically on sales emails. Uh, some I think it sometimes comes from like selling scared of like this is my one shot. I gotta get it all in this email, you know. But yeah. ironically, like by doing that, you like worse than your chances of getting, uh, of getting a follow-up of, or of getting a chance basically. So yeah. not uh, putting it all on the table on day one is important. Totally. And community hit that nail on the head, right? Cause you think about sales outreach, we, we try to overload like touch point number one. And so we just like word vomit everything in there. And then we look at the stats and it's like, you have to follow up in order to actually get the response. And so if we know we have to follow up, you know, hopefully you're not doing it a ton of times, but like 
recognize that you can always add a little bit more along the way as you go, right? Don't just walk through the door and spill all your candy on the floor and then have nothing else to give. Sort of just like put a little trail out that they can eventually pick up and say, okay, I'm, what is this? Yeah. And this all goes back to another point that you mentioned in a, in a post. So um, 11 seconds, like you, you mentioned, like 11 seconds is on average, like what you see um, people spend per email, right? So they're not really reading. Um, they're like, they're scanning emails, especially if it's, if it's longer than that, like one or yeah, 50 to like 75 um, that you mentioned. So if it's closer to like 100, 200 words, um, the least likely people are actually paying attention. So mm-hmm. how can you like format like your story um, and uh, and distill it to one point um, to, you know, to get that next step? Yeah. So you know, the, the idea behind taking 11 seconds to read an email is what we're seeing is people read to categorize first, right? Their first question when they open an email is that, hmm, this looks interesting. Let me dive in. It's what is this, right? And so when they ask themselves, what is this? And you look at an email that's got like two bulky paragraphs, then a series of bullet points followed by another bulky paragraph. Like you can almost picture the sales pitch in your mind, right? Where like there's some like benefit statements. There's an ask for 20 to 30 minutes over the next couple of weeks at the bottom. Like you can visualize it, right? Imagine that. Um, but like thinking about how you should be approaching sales emails that are read within that 11 second time window. And the amount of words that somebody can read within that 11 seconds happens to be 25 to 50 words. And it just so happens that's also the optimal range for word count in your email. And so it sort of ties really well together that you're increasing your chance that somebody will read it, understand it, and actually have a chance of being able to respond because of that. Also, the fact of sending one that's that short, it inevitably breaks that pattern. Now, eventually that might become pattern and sellers or buyers will get, um, buyers will get savvy to the new pattern. And then maybe the next trend is you got to go really long. And yeah, what we do is we update those models on a monthly basis to make sure that we're keeping track of those things. Um, But yeah, it's, it's interesting, right? This, this notion of like people categorizing over actually reading before anything else. Yeah, that's a, a perfect segue, I think, um, because the need to categorize, like that's, a, that's human nature. Like we, we like to just put things in boxes so that we can better relate to the world. Uh, so I won't get all philosophical here, but um, I'll relate it to um, even before you're reading the email, before you're like in the body of it, you have your, what you've mentioned is like a to-do list, right? You have mm-hmm. your to-do list, which is your inbox. And the first thing you're doing is like scanning your inbox. Um, when we talked last, I was saying I have all these like unopened emails. Cause like I'll, I'll scan my inbox. And if it's not, if I don't think it's worth opening, I just never open it. <laughs> and so Why would you? Um, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh... I archive it, you know, just to kind of like get rid of it. And so it's not showing up in my to-do list, but first I'm just like scanning to see like, what's urgent, like, what do I need to do right now? Um, or what do I need to sort of delegate right now? And so that's like that categorization right now, like 
we have our own sort of like internal, we have our actual spam folder, right? And then now, nowadays we even have like a gated, <laughs> like sort of like spam folder. Um, so shout out to gated. Uh, but then we also have like our own sort of like internal uh, spam, um, spam reader, like spam scanner, if you want to put it yeah. that way, right? Where we're like, is this important to me right now? So um, basically I wanted to dive into best practices for, um, subject uh, lines. So if you can just kind of go through what you found to be best practices there. So Camille, say I, I send you an email and the subject line starts with Camille want to two X your positive reply rate question mark, right? Basically I've shot myself in the foot before I've even started. And there's several reasons why one I've used a first name token, which if you're looking at sales loss data, They've actually figured out that it's not even about open rates at this point. You're reducing your chance of response by about 18%. And it's because literally no one outside of a salesperson is going to put your first name into a cold email, right? And so like, it's a big red flag. The other ones would be um, the number in there. So that 2X, right? Like people don't talk like that. And so we actually see in our data is when you put those numbers in there, you get about... 80% less opens. Um, And the same thing with punctuation. So asking the question at all. Um, So what we see with the question is you get about 56% less opens. Um, And so if I'm like giving someone advice when it comes to subject lines, it's basically how do I keep you from triggering that mental spam filter with the subject line you're putting out there? And so I go with the advice of just keep it super boring. I want to avoid that at all costs. So the other two things that I advise people to avoid would be um, it's commands. So like um, say I'm like selling engineering software, like I would start with like maintain your blank, right? Or if I'm uh, yeah, talking email, right? I'd say improve email reply rates. Um, that sort of like tips the, the reader off that command type language. The other are more like superlatives. So like saying better emails. Um, and it's just like, because you wouldn't get an email internally like that, it signals to the reader that it's probably coming from an external vendor who wants to sell you something. And it's just like tips the, the individual off. It's, it's funny, right? Cause like uh, I talk to teams and they'll give me this like feedback of like, yeah, I feel like I'm writing shorter emails. I feel like I'm doing the the simple thing a little bit better. I'm asking better questions. Um, and they're like, I'm still getting, I'm getting more response, but the response is, um, you know, sounds interesting, but not a good time. Or, you know, hey, uh, I'm not interested in making a purchase. That kind of response, right? Basically the vague objection of not interested, which really tells you that they never actually read the note. (laughs) It's just like they saw the subject line and it tipped them off. So like my question back is like, well, what was the subject line? They'll say, oh, it was a question. And I'm like, oh, well, there was your problem, right? You just put them in the wrong frame of mind before they read your email. Even though it was personalized, they started with this like inclination of categorization that like puts you at a worse starting point than you could have been at. And so um, instead of improve reply rates, starting your uh, subject line with something like email template 
actually, we've actually used um, sales email, just kind of ironic as a subject line that's worked really well because it just sounds like something that would come internally. It's just a word, right? And if it's top of mind, if it's something that they're working on, so I try to tie it back to a to-do list item, then it's something that might catch their attention. And then if it catches their attention, they'll read the preview text, which if you start your email in a personalized fashion, then you've got yourself a chance there. Yeah, that was great. I'm gonna sort of just recap some of those things for folks. So numbers, like numbers can be a trigger. Um, personalization, um, which sort of goes against like what, what we think to some degree, but like personalization in that subject line of like Camille, because again, like marketing bot, like trigger um, there and then um, question mark. Uh, one thing that I was thinking about when you were talking through question marks um, were you, when you ask a question, someone like naturally wants to give you a response, right? So they're already thinking about like their answer to that question, but there's only like, it's only 4% um, of people that are in buying mode um, at any given point, right? And so your immediate response is like, I'm not interested, right? Because I'm not in buying mode right now. But if you let, like, if you let people sort of hear you out sort of on that and recognize that it's um, maybe something that they didn't know that they need or like put it in a different frame um, of, you know, like we're more for Julie's case, right? Like we're more than like a Salesforce updater. And so if you put something like update Salesforce in the subject line, they might be like, okay, well, first off, this is clearly like a sales or marketing email. Um, but second off, like, I don't need your Salesforce updater tool, right? So you've, all, you've yeah. already like put yourself like in this box basically for, and made it easy to say no. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Um, almost like getting too specific in the subject line could narrow their scope of reference on like what you could potentially do for them. Um, I'll have to think about that some more. It's a, yeah, it's a really yeah, well, interesting concept. Yeah, because like, okay. when I think about like cadence strategy, I like to actually be much more narrow and specific, but it typically has to do with whatever it is that I'm personalizing around. So like if I see something externally that indicates that there's likely something going on internal that we can help with, I like to get hyper-specific there. And so that's where like a conversation around updating Salesforce might get like hyper-tactical and specific to the observation that I make. Now, if I'm running a cadence though, I'm going to personalize that cadence, that particular reason for reaching out. And it's not going to last more than four, five max like emails, right? And then I can come back at a later date with another hyper-specific thing, a wedge to get that conversation going. Um, that said, it's interesting what you're bringing up, which is like, I'm not in the mode to buy. I, I literally had a conversation today with a sales rep. Um, so this will be just more anecdotal than anything um, where the rep worked at a onboarding sort of software company. And we just launched a new um, on in product, like onboarding experience that we built in house. And Reason for that was because we talked to a bunch of external vendors and nobody had what we needed. So we were like, okay, well, if we want people to be reintroduced to new products and new things that we're doing, as well as like things they may have forgotten about, like, let's do that ourselves then. Um, so we, we built that out and I get a note and it's like, I just got like, just saw my colleagues lavender set up and they were showing me the new onboarding. Super cool. Right. And so like, 
immediately I'm disarmed. I'm immediately getting into a conversation with this person. And they're asking me questions like, oh, how'd you build it? I wasn't even thinking about the company they worked for. (laughs) I wasn't even thinking about the fact they worked for an onboarding tech company. And so I'm just like chit-chatting back and forth. And they're like, yeah, I have to ask, like, have you checked out what we do at our company? And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, this is a brilliant way to sell me. I'm happy to meet with you because like, it's not like the way the conversation started to flow was like, it's cool. It's a great in-app, um, you know, walkthrough. Have you thought about using it for marketing purposes and like creating a takeaway that you could send to people where they could just walk through the product without having to install it? Maybe that's a blocker for someone. And I was like, huh, that's a, that was a really clever way to get me to a point where I might consider the product. But back to your point, I'm not in buying mode, right? But they got me there through this like series of events. And now I was like, listen, I don't have the bandwidth to take this on. So like, let's talk in a couple months. But thinking about that, the way that person engaged me, um, they sort of took a very open-ended conversational approach that was personal to what we were doing. Yeah, the first thing that made me think of is um, what you said at the beginning of this episode of say less, right? Um, Mm -hmm. But more specifically, like sell less, right? So it felt it feels like he <laughs> it feels like he approached it like discovery, right? Like where he's just asking you about your setup, like and what you do, you know, he's just asking mm-hmm. about you, right? Um, and and then it's and then sort of like makes that transition of like, oh, like we overlap. <laughs> Who knew? Right. Yeah. Um, and then you're happy to take that call because there is relevance there, right? And to some degree, I don't know if you believe you believe in this or if this is across the board or if this is just me, but I feel like to some degree, I like want people to earn it. Right. Like I, <laughs> I kind of want you to earn it um, to, to some uh, degree. And so uh, maybe there's something there of like, you put it, you know what I mean? Like you put in the time, you put in like um, the thought here. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah. It, it's interesting, right? Like it was personal. It was short. Um the conversation also happened on LinkedIn as opposed to email. So maybe the context would be different if I got an email, but at the same time, it was so like specific to us that I'd be like, Oh, cool. Glad you're liking it. Right. Um, I think the key thing that stands out is like, yes, they're not selling, but it just led with like pure curiosity of like, what are you doing at your business? How can I like, you know, learn more about it? And like, there was certainly a complimentary factor, right? Like I shared a screenshot of the so cool what you guys are doing with onboarding with the engineering team so that they could see it. But at the same time, I'm like, that that's like a, you know, a thoughtful way to approach somebody. You're approaching somebody as though they're not a prospect or a target, right? They're approaching them as though they're another human being on the other end. And it's amazing. They'll respond. Doesn't matter what my title is, right? I'm just a person who happened to, you know, start something as opposed to someone who works somewhere. Um, so like the difference is entirely negligible. And so how you approach me is just treat me like a normal human being. And I'm pretty confident that I will respond back accordingly. Yeah. I feel like the takeaways there are treat me like a human being, um, lead with curiosity and then make like make compliments, like, are typically good, right? Like they can help, but more so 
I feel like you, they added value in some way, right? Like they gave you feedback, like on uh, what you're doing right now, right? They're like, yeah, I've heard from this person that X is working well and you would like to know more about X. You're probably like testing that. And so, oh, yeah. so it actually added value to, to you as well. Yeah. Well, and as the conversation went on, like right after I, I recognized the, the jig was up, um, they were still adding value, right? They were still showcasing like specifically companies that were using it, it had extensions, right? And I was like, okay. I mean, like literally everything is like very particularly tailored. Like this is very like thoughtful every step of the way. It's not like you're just throwing out the the Google, Uber, WeWork like slide deck of like, here's all the cool logos we work with. It was like, no, here's specific to like what you do. Yeah, contextualizing it for you, which is like a better form of personalization in a lot of ways, right? It's just it's relevance, like rather than personalization. So, um, okay, I think we've we've exhausted the subject line portion. I think like everyone everyone's got the subject line. Um, There's obviously like more um, tips and tricks and to your point. It it always changes. So I think like the most important thing that you've mentioned is like that pattern recognition, like it could very well change from like long form to short form to different things just because sellers are always going to be like innovating and trying something else to be able to break through uh, the noise. So something to keep in mind. Um, so then in the body uh, introduction, how do you typically like to start an email? Yeah. So I start an email with context. So sort of back to this thing that we keep sort of like circling around is this idea of very contextually relevant is if you think about the way somebody's going to process information, you kind of have to meet them where they are. And you know, you've done five minutes of research on them and you've come to XYZ conclusions, right? Which we can talk about that in a second. But you know, the the notion of like you're already thinking like four steps ahead about like why they need your software, this, that, and the other, but you have to walk them through how you got there. And so the thing that I start with is an observation. It's something that is observably true that they could go to their own LinkedIn page and see the exact same thing to be true. And they're like, okay, it makes sense how you you arrived here today. And so the observation is important. The next line of that is also really important. So it's like, how do you tie that observation back to a challenge really? Right. Like you can derive some kind of insight about it, but you know, really what you're trying to get to is something that they are trying to accomplish and haven't quite gotten there yet. And so you're trying to get to some sort of gap in what they're doing and, and how you're doing it. Those two things together, that is the right way to start an email. Nice. Okay. So let's apply this back to the example that you just gave. Um, of the of the software onboarding company, um, mm-hmm. how many lines was that message to you? It was it was in LinkedIn, so I know it might be different, but yeah, I'm like wondering if I could pull it up because um, I want to say it was maybe two lines. It was yeah, it wasn't anything crazy. Um, so at first, were they just were they just paying a compliment? Yep, it was two cents. What did you guys use to create your adoption and training walkthrough? My colleague just showed me it and it looks awesome. Two words, right? Just a very simple question that's very curiosity driven and, you know, the context of how they saw it. Now they, they flipped that formula that I um, just described, had she flipped it the other way. 
probably would have absorbed it the exact same way. I think the one thing that's interesting about LinkedIn versus email is, you know, the, typically what you see first is the bottom of the message, not the top. And so actually flipping that formula in a LinkedIn note might be the way to do it. Um, that said, it's the same way that I would approach somebody in a cold email. Now I might add some additional context behind that because it's an email versus LinkedIn, but the formula is still the same in that I'm starting off by really just trying to engage them and show them that I'm doing that work. Back to your point about like, I want them to earn it, right? It, it doesn't take that much to stand out in an inbox these days. Um, just doing something is going to stand out. Now, if you can do that in a way where you're crafting a logical progression of thought that inevitably leads to why they should have a conversation with you, or at least answer your question, that's brownie points. And you're going to do a lot better as a byproduct. Nice. Okay, perfect. So we're, we're good on the intro. And then um, after the observation, you connect it back to the problem. You connect it kind of back to your solution um, to some degree. Um, but then what is the CTA? I know there's like a lot of buzz about like, what's the perfect CTA? There's probably multiple. What have you seen um, work well? Yeah, so... I don't know how you'll feel about this, but I feel like the marketing speak has clouded our judgment when it comes to what it is that we put at the end of an email. Because um, it's a CTA, right? Call to action. Is that really the application? Like, does that really apply to a sales email? Really what you want is a response, right? So like, if you're trying to get them to a link, maybe it's correct. Um, but Really what you're trying to do, um, and I, I can't say I coined this term, um, the guy Seth List said this to me as we were having a back and forth. He goes, really what you're referencing is like a call to engage because you know it gives you a little bit more flexibility than just say like trying to get response. Say you're trying to send them to a third party article that's really, really interesting. Um, but this call to engage is how do I get dialogue going? That's the thing that I care about the most. So it's, you know, is this a challenge for you? Hey, if that's relevant, let's connect. What I'm trying to do is just spark some kind of response. I don't like the question to be too open-ended. Um, like, how are you approaching this? That's way too much work for the end reader. Um, I like yes or no. I like it simple. Um, and like, is that a challenge? Is that a prayer? Is that a priority for you is a great question to ask because you're going to find out really fast whether or not this is something that's going to work or not. Because um, if you think about like what you're trying to accomplish, you're basically just trying to get them to admit like, yeah, your hypothesis is correct and I do have some kind of pain. Um, that's really what it boils down to. And so if you if you ask a question like, say you operate in a, little bit of a competitive space and you don't know if they're using a competitor or not, why not just ask at the end, hey, is your team using anything to help solve this right now? And then you can start to have a discussion with them. You can start to have a conversation with them. Um, have you found, if you, maybe you know they use a competitor. Have you found XYZ to be helpful when it comes to X, right? It's not like a gotcha question. You're just asking a genuine question based on the, the message above. One of the other things that we've found in our data is 
you actually don't have to ask a question. You can um, just end with a period and you'll get just about the same response rate. Um, the way to do that effectively is to use a conditional statement. So you, you might've heard me use this example earlier, but I said like, if that resonates, let's connect. It's that if this, then that mentality that um, you know, still generates the same level of response. Nice, you okay. Can, yeah, you could even state like, I'm curious if, and what that does is it still elicits that you want a response, but without necessarily using a question mark. Yeah, that's interesting because it's uh, basically asking the same thing without asking, right? Without putting like a formal question mark to it, kind of like going back to that spam filter of like, if it has a question mark, if it kind of feels like a CTA, then will your chances of uh, getting a reply or getting a reply from a kind of more um, gated buyer now, like someone sort of on the defensive now, right? Because um, I think that you're selling me something now. Um, mm -hmm. The other thing that jumped out at me as you were talking is it's sort of um, sort of a qualifier is that like, hopefully you're only emailing people that you know are already pretty qualified to, to buy your product, right? Or at least that you think are qualified. And so it's more about like, do they at this point, like think that they're qualified, right? And so you're almost like taking that email list and being okay with kind of like letting everyone else go, but just talking to the people who maybe are a little bit farther down. Uh, and I hate this word, but like a little bit farther down the funnel, right. In terms of like the awareness for the problem or like the awareness for the pain that it's like causing them sort of like in yeah. their life, they're kind of like self-qualifying at that point. Yeah. And if you do a good enough job walking through the logic, right. Which is I observed this. It made me think you have this problem. We have a solution for it worth a chat, right? That like logic flow, if you set that up well enough, that worth a chat is going to say, yeah, that's worth a chat. Uh, you have thought about this pretty correctly. Um, the other thing to consider is the notion of um, just asking them to correct you, right? Like sprinkle in the phrase, correct me if I'm wrong. There's something absolutely powerful to you just being like, yeah, I might be totally off base, right? Um, just like letting, like, you sort of mentioned like you like for people to earn it, right? It, it's sort of like, hey, here's a softball. Feel free to just like slam dunk on me if I got this thing wrong. People love to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point is that we all like love to, to correct, <laughs> to, to <laughs> tell people that they're wrong and that we're right. Right. right? Um, and so just knowing that, you know, that's like human nature. And the other thing that I'm getting from all of this is just make it as easy as possible to respond, like reduce the friction, like in the conversation, make it actually feel like a conversation. And you can do that through yes or no's. You can do that through correct me if I'm wrong. There's a few different ways to do that. One, one yeah. thing that will sometimes do this is more of um, for marketing emails, but kind of for sales emails too. And shout out for, for Saad for, um, for showing this to me. But uh, sometimes we'll just say, especially with a, a gated sort of marketing piece, right? Like why, sort of like, why did you, um, uh, why was this interesting to you or why did you download it? And then you, you'll give them kind of like um, multiple choice, right? Multiple yeah. choice of like, was it A, B or C? And like, it's, it's useful for both like people. Cause like one, it takes like, literally you just have to write a one, a two or a three. That's your whole yeah. response, right? And then for us though, it's like, 
Oh, interesting. Okay. So you are, you fall into this group. Like it's, so it's really helpful for, for like marketing segmentation of like, now I can give you more content around the thing that you're trying to solve. Um, like one thing that we did recently was, you know, like the nine X factors of highly successful salespeople. Right. Um, and so as part of like the um, automatic response, it was like, why, what was interesting about this? Why'd you download it? And then mm-hmm. we'd get a lot of people saying one, like who they were, they're like, I'm a, I'm an AE who's looking to like level up my selling. So that was like option number A, there's like an A, B and C, I think. So all they really have to say is A, but oftentimes they'll like, they'll give more context too. They're like, yeah, I'm pretty much A, but also a little bit of this, right? And so as a marketer, like you love that because you're like, I want to help you. I want to just like keep giving you education. And now you've told me like exactly what you want. Yes. Um, Okay. So many thoughts here. One, I love the application of something that used to be used in, or hopefully used to still use, let's be honest, in like a breakup email where it's like, (laughs) click one if you've been eaten by an alligator and people are like, oh my God, kill me. Thank goodness this thing's over. (laughs) Um, But the, the application of it for, you know, like gated content is really clever. Um, And it reminded me of a, a way that you can phrase your, your question, your, yeah, your spark for dialogue, which is to use um, the academic term for it as like a stimulus-based question versus a memory-intensive question, but put out like two options. So I'll say, hey, did your team use sales loft or outreach, right? I know your team uses Apollo, but like you basically, one, inviting them to correct you, like, oh no, it's a third option, but using that like one or two it makes it really easy for them in their head to be like, yes, that one. Um, so like they download the product and be like, hey, did you download it to um, get feel more confident in your writing or was it to help you personalize emails faster? Like really easy um, sort of be like, oh, it's this versus that. Um, but using it as a one, two, three makes it even easier to respond. That's interesting. Um, yeah. And then I immediately thought of a, um, we have an automated email that goes out through Calendly of all things. Um, it gets like more responses than anything else out there. And it's a, <laughs> it literally comes from like the Calendly email address. And like, it has a picture of uh, my co-founder's head and it says, hey, any questions so far? <laughs> and like, it just comes a couple days after like a onboarding and the amount of response that we get to it, like we see the response. So we're like, oh, it's helpful feedback. But it's it's just funny to me that people still like, even though they can see that it's like clearly from an automated system, but the tone of that message is so just like, hey, how's it going? Right. Back to your point about like, hey, why'd you download this? It's um, that tone factor can generate response in and of itself. That's a good point. The one other thing I'll add here is um, polls. So like, I remember when like LinkedIn was like going crazy on polls and not so long ago, uh, but like, so part of it was algorithm, right? Like um, new feature, you know, LinkedIn was wanting to promote it. Um, But part of it was, it's just easy to engage like with polls and especially, um, and I, I tested kind of like a few different things. And so if you had a question that was a little bit more like, nuanced and a little bit like too complicated to like understand it could go if it wasn't clear you you wouldn't get 
as many responses. If you mm-hmm. had, if you had four questions versus like two, you wouldn't get as many responses. If, if each of the responses, like each of the multiple choice, like was like a full sentence, you know, like probably not going to get as many responses. So if you simplify, like if you just like simplify and make it like easier to engage, like going back to your like call to engage, like and you just kind of have that scan on your content of like, do, is there a call to engage here? Like, is this, um, does this make me want to respond? And going back yeah. to your point of this like Calendly um, automatic reply, right? Or even though it's clearly an automatic reply, like we almost feel guilty by not responding because it's, it feels like a person on the other end that you're ignoring. Yeah. Um, yeah. If there's any way to get engagement on LinkedIn, it's to put a like obviously painfully binary option out there when there's obviously gray area in between, right? Cold call or cold email. <laughs> You're bound to see like 70 comments within like the first five seconds. <laughs> yeah. This is perfect because it's gone full circle, I think, in talking about the need for categorization, right? And so applying that to applying this to email, everyone has like a need to categorize that happens in the inbox, but it also happens like within the body of like, we're scanning those emails. We're like seeing if it's spam still. Um, and then if it feels like it's not like, then you have a chance like of a response. And if you're just going for a response, like now maybe you have a better chance like at the sale. Whereas like if you, if you go for it at the beginning, like you're going to see those typical um, reply rates of like 1% with a 0.5% conversion. Oh, it's painful to watch. <laughs> it's, it's pretty inefficient. It's pretty inefficient. So if you think about it that way, like, and you're thinking, oh, like this sounds like so much work. This sounds like too much personalization, too much like thought to do for every email. Like I get it. Um, there is like a, a, a balance of like how much you personalize and how much you don't, but like what, what's your alternative, right? Like your alternative is <laughs> like that 1%, right? And so if that's, you know, if like, if that feels like more worth it to you, if you just want to like grind away for that, 0.5% of 1%, um, you know, uh, that's the alternative. Yeah. And if I've, if I've learned anything, like you'll see these like hacks come up, you'll see these like quick things that like pop in and out of fashion where all of a sudden you can get yourself up to a, you know, 5% response rate with this fun little trick. And at the end of the day, like, okay, cool. You got like a short pop in performance, Um, but like, it's not lasting and you're not actually like engaging in the profession of sales in a meaningful way, right? You're not actually like thoughtfully thinking about the other, thoughtfully engaging with someone on the other end with the intention of like trying to understand them so that you can build a connection. Um, and so like, yeah, the, the data and the results are definitely there, right? Like, volume is no longer a competitive differentiator. And so the what happens when that's no longer a competitive differentiator is like you have to dig into the stuff that actually makes selling worthwhile. Um, nice. Yeah, I love that. Uh, everyone can send a billion emails now. Like everyone can hack the, the spam filters. Uh, we all have access to the software at this at this point. And so you, it's really like in the creativity where you can like sort of differentiate yourself um, and like in the relevance. Uh, so um, cool. Uh, is there any other burning thoughts that you really want to mention um, before we wrap up here? Mm-hmm. Burning thoughts. Um, no, not, not anything at the top of mind. Um, but 
I, I appreciate you having me on. This was fun. Probably got to to chat for the the other Dooligans out here. Had to rock the uh, Dooley hat for our call. <laughs> no, no, much appreciated. Sod's gonna Sod's gonna like that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna send like a screenshot actually, like right now. Um, so I'll send that screenshot. And uh, where can people find you? Yeah, LinkedIn's the easiest way. Obviously, of course, you can email me. Right, it's just my name at trylavender.com. But um, the other way to engage with me is on LinkedIn because I sort of think of that as the hub of everything that we're building out. Perfect. Well, Will, thank you for joining me and breaking down your cold email strategy. And um, like I mentioned before, if you're wanting to sort of up your game on the cold email front or really just like cold messaging front, um, give uh, Will a follow. He does um, teardowns all the time, um, uses like real examples um, on occasion, also has a newsletter. So um, big fan of his work and uh, hopefully we'll have you on again here. Thanks. I appreciate it, Camille. Thanks for listening to The Revenue Playbook. For more sales playbooks, head over to dooley.ai.